The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. Have you ever had a chance uh, to travel to one of the kind of the more mountainous regions of Western Canada or, or British Columbia? Now you might think, Paul, we, we live in the mountains. And, but I'm not talking about, you know, the mountains like when you drive in from the Fraser Valley and you look up and you see the mountains as you're driving on the highway. I'm talking one of those places like Banff or, or Jasper or, or uh, Radium Hot Springs or Fairmont where you're, you're right down in the valley and the mountains are, are right there. You feel like you could reach out and touch them. Even when you, like if you drive up to Whistler and you pull off for lunch in Squamish, you get out of your car and you look up and it feels like the chief is, is like so big you could reach out and touch it. I always find it interesting that if someone comes to visit me from another part of Canada, like the prairies or, or back east, they always comment on the mountains. I had an aunt who, who actually came out from Newfoundland and, and lived with my parents for a little while, and she said that the mountains for her were so big that she felt like they were right on top of her, and she actually felt claustrophobic. Now, that's not to say that mountains don't have any good use. I remember when I moved to Vancouver about 15 years ago, I was this, uh, uh, felt like a redneck from the interior, you know, because I was kind of a redneck from the interior. And I moved all the way from, from Kamloops to downtown Vancouver. I was living in a, in, in, a, in a condo downtown. And I remember being really scared of, of getting lost. Now, this is back, of course, before, you know, smartphones and Google Maps. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to get lost. i got to go to the grocery store. How am I going to find my way back? I'm going to get lost. And, and then my neighbor, she, she said, Paul, you don't ever have to worry about getting lost if you're in the city of Vancouver and you're in the daylight. And I'm like, why is that, Sonia? Why, why do I not have to worry about getting lost? She said, wherever you are in Vancouver, look up. And if you can see the mountains, you know that that is north. I remember many times in those first, uh, at least for for sure the first year that we were living downtown, where I used that, uh, that, the North Shore Mountains as my compass to navigate my way home. The mountains in, in scripture are used as a metaphor. When we look through scripture, we see the mountains used as a metaphor. And there there are many ways it's used as a metaphor. One of them is mountains are used as a metaphor for a kingdom, or uh, meaning a realm, or or a domain, or a dominion, whether it's a country, a land, a nation, or, or even a way of thinking. Another metaphor used in scripture for the mountain is of an obstacle. I love how scripture writers, when they, when they use a metaphor uh, in scripture, they use the biggest or the smallest thing possible, you know? I think if I was writing about an obstacle, I wouldn't think of a mountain. I might think of a speed bump. I might think of a pothole. I might think of morning traffic as an obstacle. But no, the scriptures, they think of the biggest thing possible. In the scripture that we're going to look into today, Jesus himself refers to an obstacle that's in our way. We're going to look into Mark chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to take the one in the pew in front of you as our gift to you. We're going to also have the scriptures up on the side screens if you'd like to follow along. Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 23, where it says, Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what what they say will happen... It will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. 
Now, when it comes to mountains, do you sometimes feel like my aunt did? That the mountains in your life, the obstacles in your life, you feel like they're closing in on you. Or maybe you're even like me. When I was living in downtown Vancouver, the mountain or the obstacle in your life is actually what you make decisions about the direction of your life based on. And what is the mountain in your life? What do you think is the mountain in your life? Is it a secret sin or an addiction that you can't seem to find victory over? Is it the fact that you've been coming to church all your life and and you've made a commitment to Christ, but you've never been able to consistently develop time alone with God or a prayer life? Is your mountain the guilt that you feel because you know you've not been faithful in stewarding your finances in a Christ-like way? Maybe your mountain is the, the guilt and the shame that you feel because you struggle with issues of mental illness. What's your mountain? I don't know what your mountain is today, but I want to touch on what I think are three common reactions to the mountains that come into our life. When we come up against a mountain, we usually have one of three reactions. You can refer to your outline now if you're taking notes. Number one, in your outline, the first reaction to the mountains in our life is we ignore them. We ignore them. Have you ever tried talking to someone Uh, who has a problem, and and their first response is, I don't have a problem. You have a problem. There's no problem. I mean, if there's a problem, it's your problem, not my problem. You know, you can pretend for a while. You can ignore something for a while. But sooner or later, you have to come back and deal with that mountain in your life. People try all types of things to, to help with the pain of the mountains in their life. Drugs. Alcohol, gambling, working late, food, pornography, the list goes on. Those things never make the mountains go away. When people sober up or dry out, the mountain is still there, just like it was. You know, I'm so thankful that Broadway Church has an excellent community to help people get started with dealing with the hurts, habits, and hang-ups in their life. It's called Celebrate Recovery. And they meet on Tuesday nights. You can come at 5.30 and have supper. You can stay for the group meeting. And if you want, you can stay after that and and, and be part of a share group where you can meet other people dealing with struggles and feel the encouragement that comes from Christ-centered community. But even if the mountain in your life is not something like an addiction or the pain of grief of having lost someone, or the pain you experience when someone disappoints you. Even if your mountain is not any of those things, you still can be guilty of ignoring your problem. You see, when we look at this passage in Mark, and we take it in context, we realize that when Jesus gets to this verse where he's talking about uh, the mountain, he's actually talking about something right before it, and it's really important to understand. He's actually talking about a fig tree, now, a fig tree is one of the, another metaphor used throughout the Bible generally to represent the people of God. Now, the fig tree is a very interesting uh, plant because it's, it's a plant that blooms after the fruit comes off. We think of uh, a plant and a bloom and then the fruit comes and then we pick it. No, with the fig tree, it's the reverse. 
And so Jesus, in the, in the verses preceding this one that we read in Mark chapter 11, actually curses the fig tree because it, he says it looks beautiful, but there's no fruit there. He curses it because of its fruitlessness. Wow. That hits close to home. I, I know that there have been seasons in my life where I can say, you know what? I'm looking the part, but there's no fruit in my life. Now, We've all probably been guilty of that when our words and our outpace our work or our intentions and our actions aren't congruent. If you're here today and you're not yet a Christ follower, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make that decision a little bit later. But if you're here and you're not a Christ follower, this, what I'm talking about, about your words and your work being at, at, at the same pace, not ignoring your problem, that's just good advice. But for the Christ follower... It's a command because the Bible talks about fruitlessness and things that are fruitless are no good for anything except to be chopped down and thrown in the fire. John chapter 10 verse 10 says that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, you can't have the full life of God if you spend all your time ignoring your problem or pretending that you don't have a problem. You know what I find about pretending? It's exhausting. You know what I find about ignoring my problem? It's still there and the anxiety of it never ever leaves. Maybe today God is challenging you to leave your ignoring ways behind, your pretending ways behind and begin to address the mountains in your life. The first reaction we have quite often to the mountains in our life is we ignore them. The second reaction, the first is we ignore them. The second is we get stuck in them. We get stuck in them. Some of us come right up to the mountain in our life. We see it. We know what it is. We've, addressed, we've named it, but we stop right at the foot of that mountain. 66 years ago, Sir Edmund Hillary climbed Mount Everest for the first time. He was the very first person to ever climb Mount Everest. Do you know how many people have climbed Mount Everest since uh, Sir Edmund Hillary did it 66 years ago? There have been about 4,000 people that have climbed and got to the summit of Mount Everest. Do you know how many people have gotten to the base camp, the bottom, the very start of the climb of Mount Everest? Just in 2016 alone, there were 37,000 people that got to the base camp, but never, ever climbed the mountain. And when it comes to the, the obstacles in our life, many of us have gotten to the base camp of that mountain. We've gotten to the starting place, but we set up camp there. We're stuck there. How many people do you know that are just eking out an existence in the shadow of their mountain. We prayed for our teams a little bit earlier, and, and when it comes to our Mexico team, we've been sending teams there since about 2013. It's been a great uh, mission trip for our, our church to be involved in year after year. When I went in 2013, I met a man named Dirk. Dirk and his wife Mary moved from Edmonton to Vicente Guerrero at the orphanage that we're going to be going to, and they uh, gave uh, their time, full time, to be part of serving in that context. 
Dirk was a retired bicycle repairman. But he knew and his heart was being drawn to this place to serve full time. There was also a young boy named Jose who came into the care of the orphanage. When they found Jose, and when the workers from the orphanage uh, found Jose living in his house, he had been lying on a mattress. And the people that lived there said he had been lying on that mattress, in their words, for several years. Because he had a physical disability, he was basically discarded, certainly marginalized. He came into the care of the orphanage, and when he did, the first thing that he needed was surgery for his bed sores. Dirk, who had some skills with wheels and spokes and things like that, took a normal wheelchair and fashioned it so that uh, Jose could lay on his stomach and move around with his hands because the surgery he had for his bed sores needed to heal, and he needed to be on his stomach for about three months. After he healed, uh, Dirk made Jose a normal wheelchair, one that would be comfortable for him that he would be able to get around. Jose said that at that moment, and as he grew in maturity and realized what had happened, he said, I knew I had been given an opportunity and I needed to make the most of it. As Jose grew and became part of the school and part of the activities of the orphanage, uh, he began to grow in confidence because he had had Christian community and, and other fellow believers around him. He decided one day that he was going to wheel himself from the orphanage almost two kilometers out to the main road of the town so that he could begin to make friends and meet people. Dirk said that one of the most uh, proudest moments he ever had was when Jose one day came over to, to his trailer and showed him a copy of the very first paycheck Jose had ever earned in his life. You see, that wheelchair that we thought was just helping him physically actually became more than a vehicle of transportation. It became a vehicle of healing. It, became, it took him to places that he never would have gone, but it was because Jose made the decision to say, I'm not staying at the foot of my mountain. Yes, I, I have a physical disability. Yes, there may be shame or there, or there, may, be, there may be fear that, that compounds that problem, but I'm not staying there. He decided to move. from. He wasn't going to get stuck at the foot of his mountain and he wasn't going to live in the shadow of it. The second reaction we often have to the mountains in our life is that we get stuck in them. The third one, we struggle with them. Oh, Pastor Paul, you're being so negative today. You know, we, get, we ignore them. We, we, we get stuck and then we struggle with them. No, struggle is the good word here. Struggle is the positive word here. I, we have to struggle with anything that's important in our life. It takes a struggle to make it happen. It's a struggle to raise good kids in the digital age. It's a struggle to get through the traffic at the end of the day to get home to my family. It's a struggle to, to hit the, the alarm clock at 6 a.m. in the morning so I can go to the gym, so I can take care of my body. Anything that's important, it's a struggle and that's a good thing I don't know if you're a fan of any of these reality comp- uh, singing competition shows like The Voice or, or American Idol I used to watch them a lot uh, years ago but uh, I don't it so much anymore but I love to watch the first uh, couple uh, weeks of these shows because that's when they do the auditions right I love these auditions and 
I have to say, honestly, if I'm being truthful here, part of the reason I like the auditions is because I like watching someone walk in who thinks they really, really know how to sing. You know those people? And, and, and they begin to sing, and, and the judges' faces all kind of go, oh, my goodness, right? And then they try, have to think nicely how to, how to tell them that this, you know, singing may not be your thing. I also really, really love when someone walks into one of those shows and they can barely make eye contact with the, with the judges, you realize very quickly that this person struggles with, with, uh, with self-esteem. You realize very quickly that this person may be very broken. You realize very quickly that this person may be very financially broken. And then they pick up their guitar, they pick up the microphone, and they begin to sing. And you see the judges sit up in their chair. You see the tears come down the judges' faces. You see them stand up and applaud at the end. And you realize that that person has struggled with the mountain of self-esteem in their life and for that short time has won. Scripture says in Matthew 17, 20, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, here's the Bible writer again. He, when he talks about an obstacle, he talks about a mountain, the biggest thing he can find. When he talks about something small, he thinks about the smallest thing he can find, the mustard seed. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. 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 Do you hear that? If you have your Bible open and you have a pen in your hand, circle the word nothing. You see, if you've come to the realization that you've been attending church, but you've not been involved in advancing the mission of Jesus, and today you're deciding to, to become part of one of the ministries of Broadway Church, that means you're struggling with the mountain of apathy in your life, and that's a really, really good thing. If you're dealing with a hurt or a habit or a hang-up in your life, and you take the courageous step to come to celebrate recovery on Tuesday night, that means you're struggling with a mountain of pain and hurt in your life, and that is a really, really good thing. What is the impossible thing in your life? What's the mountain that you've been living in the shadow of? Is it the fact that you've been coming to church for 20 years and, but you know that your spiritual life is weak and waning? If you've been coasting through your walk with God and you've not been taking uh, steps to deepen your walk with God, I encourage you to go, to go to Timber Books, buy a steps journal, begin to read and reflect on God's word every day and that will mean that you're struggling with the mountain of mediocrity in your life and that's a good thing. Or maybe you're dealing with an illness or a disability that limits your physical wellness or activity. Maybe you were born into a family that's just plain messed up, dysfunctional to the core. And maybe because of one of those things, you feel like a victim. That's a mountain in your life. Are you going to struggle with it? Are you going to get stuck in it? Are you going to ignore it? Even if you've not been following the biblical principles when it comes to your finances, and today you're deciding that you're going to follow the biblical imperative to tithe, and you're going to prayerfully consider where you can be generous in your life with your finances, you're struggling with the mountain of a poverty mentality in your life, and that's a good thing. Now at this point in the sermon, you're probably thinking, hey, I thought this was Global Outreach Sunday. 
I thought you were going to kind of tell us where our missions dollars have been going. I thought you were going to give us a progress report or or, our picture of something that we're involved in across the world. What are the flags hanging in the ceiling for if we're not doing that? You need to know, Broadway Church, that I am incredibly proud of the people that we call our Broadway Church global workers. They are incredible examples of faith-filled mountain strugglers, if we can put it that way. Some of them are sitting in this room right now. And today we're going to take the opportunity to focus our attention and go a little bit deeper with one of the families. Serge and Nancy Bersaglio, they left Broadway Church 20 years ago to be part of a small ministry in Zambia called Villages of Hope. The mountain that they were coming up against in their life was they, were, they weren't trained pastors. God was calling them to serve cross-culturally, to go and to be part of, of a, a Christian mission organization, but they weren't pastors. They knew they had management skills. They had organizational skills. They knew that if they served, they could help Villages of Hope maybe be around for the long haul. So they went. The very first Village of Hope in in Kitwe, Zambia was opened in 1999 as a response to the HIV and AIDS epidemic uh, in, in, in Africa. The site began with free education for children of a nearby community. They had no, those children would have no other access to education and a children's home to provide care for orphans. This one single classroom and one home quickly became a fully functioning care facility caring for needs of the children in that whole region. And with the success of that one, or, well, that one home, uh, international uh, support became, began to come in and national support began to come in. There was a growing need for these type of uh, children's villages throughout Africa. Branching out to multiple villages created a need for an umbrella organization. So they created their own society in 2004. This ensured that the standards of quality of care for children would be high. It ensured that they would have financial and human resources as they worked to facilitate relationships with all the villages of hope. Now this one small ministry that was in Zambia 20 years ago, this one small single classroom, single home, has grown to two orphanages in the country of Burundi, two in Malawi, two in Tanzania, one in Zambia, Zimbabwe, and three in Zambia. The opportunity for generosity you have to respond to today is in the original Villages of Hope, the original one in Kitwe, Zambia. Would you consider partnering with us in the projects that we are going, I'm going to lay out for you here? Each one of these projects, there's five projects, and each one of these projects is going to take $5,000 to complete. I know that we can do this as a church. I know that we can. This might only happen if we partner with Villages of Hope in this time right now. We're going to be taking a team in the month of September to to Villages of Hope, and I would love for you to be part of that team. Pray about it. Uh, Contact me through broadwaychurch.com. Call the church. I'd love to connect with you and tell you more about the trip. The specific needs we want, to, we want to address today are some of these smaller projects that might fall through the cracks. We're going to redo the drainage at the entrance of the village, which is a huge help when the rains come and the flooding is a real possibility. Because of the growth of the village, a, a village additional benches are needed in the chapel hall. This allows the entire school to meet for a chapel at one time. 
We're going to pay to cover a roofless area in the chapel because the chapel is not only a place where they worship, but it also doubles as the, uh, and houses the feeding program for the local community. We're going to help with some food security issues by helping extend the roof on every one of the, of the children's homes because the power goes out so much there that sometimes uh, families have to cook outside. And because of the rain, sometimes it's just really hard to cook outside. And so we're going to extend the roof so that they can cook outside covered. We're also going to help re-drywall some of the places where they store the food so that helps protect against animals getting in. And finally, we're going to help construct the, with construction of an art and design workshop for the Youth Empowerment Program, which helps teens embrace some of the skills that they might be interested in. Now, guess what, guys? When you look at each one of these projects, they're not terribly exciting. You might even think, those are kind of boring. I mean, drywallers for Jesus is never a ministry that I've ever heard of. Or, or you know, Pastor Paul, we're talking about drainage? Drainage? Really? Listen, when we gather up all of these projects, this is going to help uh, Villages of Hope on their 20th anniversary to really, it's going to help them pivot and begin to think bigger and, and, and it's going to help them feel supported by one of their supporting churches. It's going to help them grow and thrive as they enter into this next season that God is calling them to. And I want us as a church to struggle against the mountain of poverty and sickness that happens in the, in the continent of Africa. I want us to struggle against the mountain of a hoarder mentality that we have here at home, which causes us not to be generous sometimes because we think if I give, then I'm going to be without. I'm going to be lacking. God doesn't work that way. You can give in the offering, mark villages of hope on your envelope. You can go to the automated giving center and give there. You can give today or any Sunday for the rest of the month of April. Would you consider prayerfully, go home, talk to your spouse Whatever you need to do, would you prayerfully consider being part of this project? Let's conclude. I believe that if we have a mountain-moving faith, we should probably get a shovel and a wheelbarrow and start moving some rocks. James chapter 2, verse 17 says, So too, this is the amplified version, faith, if it does not have works to back it up, by itself is dead, inoperative, and ineffective. What are you going to do with the mountains in your life? Are you going to ignore them and pretend they're not there? Are you going to get stuck in them? Or are you going to struggle with them? That brings me to our big idea, which is our sticky statement that we want you to go home with remembering what we talked about today. Today's our big idea is this. When it comes to the mountains in your life, take your eyes off the summit and put your eyes on the Savior. When it comes to the mountains in your life, take your eyes off the summit and put your eyes on the Savior. See, by exercising our faith, we are letting God's love not only uh, um, care for us, but our, God's love becomes a weapon against the evil one. We are moving these mountains not with our own strength, not with our own intentions, not with our own volume of our prayers, not with the knowledge that we accumulate. His love makes me a different person. It transforms me and transforms my heart into a heart full of faith. It transforms me into someone who lives a supernatural life. Someone who sees not just what's in front of them, but what could be. And it's all accomplishable only, because, only through the power of the blood of Jesus. Let's pray.